I'm so excited to be nominated. It's just an honor to be nominated. Honor to be nominated. Claudia. I'm Free Palestine. Uh, I'm I'm Chandler, and you are listening to Free Palestine, a new <laughs> podcast coming to you every week. Um, no, you're listening to Honor to Be Nominated, a podcast coming to you every week about any movie and every movie that's ever been nominated for an Oscar. And this week, we are covering the first movie to ever win an Oscar for the animated feature, which is Shrek. Don't sound so excited Ooh. saying the pitch of our podcast, Chandler. Uh, Truly. Shrek. Shrek. A Shrek. Movie. Um, I'm a believer. I think, I think Shrek, um, so Shrek's a movie that I loved a lot as a child um, mm-hmm. growing Same. up. A movie that my mom really loves. She was obsessed with those films. Um, and a movie that I, I, th- I think, uh, I think still pretty much holds up today. I think it's still really fun. It's not like, you know, again, it's not like Miyazaki or Cartoon Saloon, but it's a really, I think, fun film. I think, though, that the animation, if we're talking about the style of animation, does not hold up. Looks uh, like trash. Active. Absolute trash. But I think it is important to acknowledge the cultural significance that is Shrek. Ta- I think absolutely. Shrek has become kind of a part of like the American lexicon in a lot of ways. I think it's a very culturally impactful film. And I think specifically around the lines of like, I'm sure we'll get into like its relationship to Disney and, and how the creator of this came from Disney. And we'll probably talk about that, but I think, you know, it's, it's hard to separate Shrek a lot from its cultural impact. I think. Totally. Uh, Should we do a quick synopsis for friends living under the rock and have never seen Shrek? Mm -hmm. What's it all about? I mean, what's it all about? Yeah, what's the plot of Shrek? uh, So Shrek, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's loosely based on a children's book by an author whose name I don't recall, um, but it's about an ogre um, voiced by Mike Myers um, doing his best fat bastard impersonation. Um, (laughs) It's the same fucking voice. But um, who is just living in a swamp and then because of a complex plot essentially all the fairy tale uh, characters are evicted similar to what israel is trying to do to palestinians in jerusalem uh and they all go that's not true farquad is not genociding the fairy tale creatures he's just moving them into a different area well that's what they're trying to do to, to palestinians they just they're keep trying to kill them they're trying to kill them uh anyway we're not going to talk <laughs> too much about the israeli palestinian quote-unquote conflict. conflict um but uh all the fairy tale creatures have to come live in his swamp. He's mad about it. He and a donkey, portrayed by Eddie Murphy, go to Lord Farquhar, played by the great John Lithgow. Uh, and he says that if they can go get him this princess from a dragon, uh, they can... Uh, played by them. Cameron Diaz. Played by the great Cameron Diaz. Long way she rest. Uh, Annie broke Cameron Diaz. She's, she's never done a movie again. She retired from acting because Annie broke her so much. What really? Yeah, that like Why? for real. She did Annie, and then was like, "I think I'm never doing a movie again," and hasn't. Wow. R.I.P. We love Cameron Diaz, one of our greats. Um, anyway, but so then the plot un- unfolds. Um, I want to take some time here at the beginning. Chandler mentioned the connection of this to Disney to give a quick summary of DreamWorks animation, specifically Jeffrey Katzenberg. 
Uh, this is important. This is important. So I want to I want to share it out first is that when I was 17 ish, 16, 17, I read a book called The Men Who Would Be King by Nicole Laporte, uh, which blew my fucking mind. Uh, it became my favorite book for many, many years. And The Men Who Would Be King is the uh, story of the founding and then essential, essentially disillusion of DreamWorks as a brand. So for the people who don't know, DreamWorks um, is one of the newest movie studios. Uh, it was founded by three sort of very, very high-profile people. surrounded by David Geffen of the record label, um, who's a billionaire. It was founded by Steven Spielberg and was founded by a man named Jeffrey Katzenberg. Now, Jeffrey Katzenberg was the head of Disney animation during the Disney Renaissance, and he is a fucking moron. But he happens to have been in the right right place at the right time many times. Uh, And so, for example, he almost didn't greenlight Little Mermaid. He was like, no one wants to fucking see this shit. So, like, the thing about it is that if you read any story about Disney or DreamWorks animation, it's Jeffrey Katzenberg being wrong and them ignoring him and then him taking all the credit. So he is the sort of head honcho with Disney Animation. Um, he kind of initially fights the, um, uh, you know, Little Mermaid, Disney Renaissance thing. And then it's like, oh shit, we can make a lot of money off this. And this is Jeffrey Katzenberg's big thing, is that he wants to wring every penny out of everything. So that's why um, if you look at, like, we start having all of these Disney straight to VHS sequels, which they had never done before. And that was like kind of his brainchild, right? Mm-hmm. And he, because he's kind of an idiot and kind of an asshole, uh, ends up getting fired from Disney. Um, and I thought he is, left. He gets well, fired. I thought he okay. My understanding is he was asked to leave. Oh. Um, you know, it was a... They were probably like, we really recommend you just leave. If not, you're going to be fired type that, thing. That's my understanding. It's been a long time since I read the book. Anyway, uh, but so then he goes, he hooks up with Geffen and with Spielberg and is like, I can make a studio that does what Disney did. And one of his sort of uh, templates for this is Aladdin. And so what's interesting is that if you look at Aladdin, Aladdin is kind of Shrek 1.0. Because Aladdin is, let us take this sort of familiar story, put a huge celebrity in it, and, ha- and have the celebrity essentially be playing themselves. And then we're going to weaponize their celebrity as a way of selling tickets that had never been done before. So if you go back to like uh, early Disney, you know, it's like, you know, voice actors, right? And then post Robin Williams in Aladdin, everyone was like, oh shit, we should start casting celebrities and trying to make money off of their voice, which is then essentially what DreamWorks Animation becomes. So DreamWorks Animation uh, gets started and they are working on two projects. Project number one uh, is sort of Jeffrey Katzenberg's baby. Uh, It is a hand-drawn animated musical, uh, obviously trying to sort of ape Aladdin and um, Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast uh, with the score by Schwartz and Mencken. Uh, That is Prince of Egypt. Now, they're sort of B-tier project that famously... If you pissed off Jeffrey Katzenberg, he would send you to go work on this. Was Shrek, and everybody was like, oh, "Whatever, fuck this movie. It's junky. It's full of shit." But he, they were like, "Oh, with this, we can sort of pilot a lot of these things we want to do." So, like originally, this is the answer to our trivia this week. Originally, Shrek was supposed to be played by Chris Farley. Um, oh, that makes sense. 
Right. And so then we yeah. kind of, and then it becomes Mike Myers, who's another sort of big comedian at the time. Uh, weirdly, their, their first choice was Nick Cage, which I would have watched. I don't know what that would have been, but I would have watched it. Um, but we can I, really, yeah, weird. We can really see that this is the beginning of sort of the modern animated film because it is just like a bunch of celebrities playing versions of themselves, right? Cameron Diaz's character kind of looks like her. It is kind of a Cameron Diaz type, right? Mike Myers totally. is kind of a, a Mike Myers type. The clearest example is Eddie Murphy is playing Eddie Murphy, right? Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. And it's not really a musical. There are some musical numbers, but nobody really sings. Um, there's a lot of pop culture references, um, which Disney didn't really do until, um, again, Aladdin. And lots uh, of Disney references with all the fairy tale characters, of course, but like. Well, yeah, and I think that's a, sort of an important aspect of Shrek is that it's sort of an like a anti-Disney kind of film yeah. because it it's it does a lot of the things that Disney refuses to do because Disney keeps itself to that sort of posh and like very, very fairy tale yeah. and clean and, and this is very like grody and dirty and like at the beginning of the movie Shrek wipes his own ass with a, a page from a fairy tale book and it's sort of yeah. the sub- subversiveness of the sort of Disney fairy tale uh, genre and it yeah. sort of subverts that and makes it all gross and it's fart jokes and it's silly and it's more like adult humor and yes and so the sort of the last big element of the dreamworks animation brand which was a huge thing when we were kids is having jokes for the family for the the parents right and so that was the big thing of having all these like dirtier more sort of risque jokes that that the dad could laugh at and like the the double entendres that you get like with the the sex jokes and like when he goes down the, when Shrek goes down like the log or something and he like clearly hits his crotch area and they get a close up of his face. Like, I remember as a kid, I was like, I don't get it. And then I think my dad explained it to me and he, I was like, I still don't really get it. But okay, like you laugh at that part a lot. <laughs> Lord Farquaad's giant castle, he's compensating for something like yeah. those. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I guess, so this is a movie that both of you said you loved a lot as a kid. I didn't. Um, this is a kid that, that I, makes sense. <laughs> I had a lot of resistance to it as a kid. I I don't like like crass like bathroom humor. It's just not like my vibe. And I guess like you know I think there are some some good jokes in here. The not the gun drop gum drop buttons is something that my family quotes incessantly. Same. That's <laughs> very funny. But my thing is the channeling you mentioned this was subversion, which I think is true. My critique of it is that it's subverting for nothing. It's not saying anything. That's it's, fair. It's not making any sort of commentary on anything. It's just like, it's so it feels like corporate punk to me, where it feels like Green Day, where you're, where it's like Green Day has a whole song called Do You Know the Enemy? And then they never tell you who the enemy is. And that's kind of what Shrek feels like to me, which is like, hey, fuck Disney. We're going to be all, we're punk rock. And you're like, oh, cool. So are you criti- criticizing the gender, uh, the genderedness of Disney stories? No. Are you or are you critiquing not, the, yeah. the classism? No. Are you critiquing the reactionary politics? No, in fact, we're going to add more. So it's like, it's not really <laughs> critiquing anything. It's just like, it feels like an SNL sketch where I'm like, you're not actually saying anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, I think it is, it is, it's not, it, it doesn't go much more deeper than just like, fuck Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, uh, you know, uh, 
I, it's it's fair. Like it's a fair thing to critique. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't go much deeper than that, you know. Like I mean, I but guess it certainly makes it like a lot of an like the entirety of Duloc is clearly some sort of like Disney World. Like they have the little puppets that sing a, basically yeah. a small world. Um, you know, it's it's got that that sort of like Disney is stupid and silly kind of feel to it. But it doesn't. There isn't much more outside of that, I guess. And like, I guess what the big overarching message i guess is like you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder and like not like what one person finds beautiful not everyone finds beautiful and and i guess that is like the biggest subversion is like she doesn't end up uh princess fiona doesn't end up as a human princess in the end she remains an ogre so like that's like the big shock but again like it's not you know, it's not critiquing anything or saying anything like super bold. It's just like, look, in our movies, it's not always happily ever after in the in the same way that you expect. Like yeah. they do end up together, they do end up happy, but it's not Disney wouldn't have done that. Disney would have had her turn into a princess, I think, and like it's just like the princess and the ogre end up together, you know? Yeah. And I he would have turned into a prince. This yeah, is- he would turn into a prince. Exactly. This might be putting too much on Shrek, the children's film, but to me, it feels there's something almost a little sinister about it because I think for me, it's like so cynical that it feels like it gave birth to the kind of thing that we're seeing right now that not to put too fine a point on it kind of led to the rise of Trump of that our generation is just so very much like, fuck everything, nothing fucking matters. Everything's postmodern nonsense. And it's like, Okay, but like we do, like if Disney is corporate sincerity, this is corporate cynicism. And to me, there is nothing more subversive about one or the other where it both feels like a pro, like it feels like both DreamWorks and Disney are selling me something. And it, I think yeah, what pisses totally. me off more about Shrek is that they're like, see, we're telling you the truth. 1099. It's like, oh, stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I guess I get that. Yeah, I do appreciate like the uniqueness of the film and like how I think honestly the screenplay is pretty strong. Like I I remember as a kid watching this tons of times and I would be able to like quote whole sections oh, of it. Same. Like I was yeah. watching it this past time and I was like like saying some of the lines with it. I'm like I haven't seen this movie in like 15 or some odd years and still, still it all still it all comes back to me. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah donkey's lines are just so iconic they are well and that's the thing I, th- I think i mean like maybe i'm i don't think i'm reading too much into this but i mean like shrek was a like a huge cultural impact it was and it yeah. like i mean it was sort of perfect of the time of like slime on nickelodeon and like gross but yeah absolutely it was very of that sort of time but i mean shrek was everywhere i had shrek cereal i like it was mm-hmm. it, like you know it became this huge huge cultural icon to the point like even now it's still like a meme thing like shrek is still a part of like meme culture um i think this really like sort of i know shrek isn't nickelodeon but like kind of drew the line for our generation as kids like are you more disney kid are you more nickelodeon kid and i was way more nickelodeon kid than a lot of my friends (laughs) the nickelodeon was better i mean see i actively hate nickelodeon (laughs) 
How SpongeBob. dare you? Are you kidding me? SpongeBob slime. I've never watched SpongeBob. I've never seen one single moment of it. It's brilliant. It's incredible. The fact we, I, should, like, we should do the SpongeBob movie. SpongeBob is like a so culturally important. It's one of the most culturally important TV shows, and you've never seen it. That's insane. You know what else is super culturally important? The Kennedy Nixon debate. Have you ever watched it? All right. <laughs> we can have different definitions sure. of what's important to no, us. No, but I guess I guess my, my thing is that I think that like <laughs> it was culturally important in a negative way. Where I think that like the legacy of the Nickelodeon generation is really fucked. And I think it's really it gave rise to the South Parkism of it is it is gauche to care about shit. In a way that's like, oh, we, like we should like make fun of people who give a fuck. I don't I think know that if is, that's the for case. better or for worse, the legacy of Shrek. I don't really know if that's the case. I don't know because yeah, well, I feel like that's going. I think you're going a little too too far because or, like well, Nickelodeon well, can still you had yourself more on that. Yeah. So like, this is a movie about people who learn nothing, right? And like, kind of intentionally, like kind of by design, right? Kind Shrek of by design. Learns. No, Shrek learns. Shrek I mean, learns objectively, something. Shrek changes and learns at last. Yeah. Time. He learns to, to accept people into his life and not cut people out. And, and yeah. he learns to but make he friends learn and be in love. Like, and learns- need, it's entirely individual, individualistic, right? It's about like, it's not about like, I am part of a community. I need to go fight for these fairy tale creatures. It's about, I want to go get laid. No. No. I, I don't even know if it's, I want to go get laid. It's like, oh, look, there's someone else like me out there. I, I think it's just. It's being seen. No, I think it's I think it's simply just like uh like learn to be happy with other people. Like being alone doesn't doesn't bring you as much joy as like being around people yeah. and friends and loved ones. I mean Shrek uh, Shrek lives like a hermit and and is miserable and grumpy all the time until he gets a new friend and falls in love and now he's like happier. Like he learns to 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 accept people into his life and and learn yeah, to totally. be a person and make compromises and and be make friends and not be like, as selfish not be selfish yeah i mean i think it's i think How i, is I, that like, not a I lesson think he's learned? very much learned the lesson in the film i mean he very much changes he has a very yeah very like clear structured arc of 1000 character development i guess i just never get that from it like i get that i get like where yeah, i yeah but like structurally get, if you're looking at the script it's a very clear character yes, but i guess i guess my problem becomes is that it doesn't is it still a selfish want? Is that he accepts people into his life because he doesn't want to be lonely, not because he realized, for example, we set up this weird apartheid-esque subplot about fairy tale creatures that then our protagonist still doesn't give a fuck about. You know what I mean? The last scene, he has all of the fairy tale creatures in the swamp singing and dancing and having a good time. Right, but that's clearly, I think, outside of the realm of the story. We never see him have to like fight for the fairy tale creatures. We see that a lot in Shrek Two. Indeed, that's why Shrek Two is objectively better. It is. I would agree, but that doesn't like <laughs> that doesn't mean that Shrek doesn't have a character arc in this. Just because he doesn't have a character arc, he doesn't become like a like I a. Think, I think he's still selfish. So you want him to be sure. like a, you want him to be like a martyr for the people. Like I, I, I mean, I just wouldn't. I just don't want this movie. Like, like I think everything about this movie is broken. But but to say that but to say that that but to say that this created a, a mentality where you shouldn't where it taught people to not care about people. I, I think is completely wrong because that's not yeah, a lesson I don't think of the that's, film. 
I don't think that's that 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 the result, right? Is that like that's no, one of the I think, problems I of think, our generation. I think it's much more toxic, the Disney method of telling people to be codependent on one another. And, and so to, I, and I think to both have are toxic. Sort of, do what? I think both are toxic, but I think if you look at our generation, our generation is a much more defined, in my opinion, by obviously our generation being culturally specific within the United States, blah, 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 blah. But it's much more defined by like the selfish, quote unquote, self-care politics that is like, oh, well, fuck it. All that matters is, is I get mine. And much less so the kind of codependency, which I think is much more our parents' generation. Oh, I disagree. Sure. I think I think maybe Gen Z is a little bit more of the fuck it generation. Oh, no, Gen Z, I think, is woke as fuck. But I don't, I mean, I think our generation is very codependent and very, uh, but that's not, but we're not getting married though, which like, there's a huge drop in marriages, which would, but that doesn't mean that, that, that you're not dependent on the other people around you or, or dependent on your phone and the social media. I mean, like, I, like, I think that, the, that we, we have incredibly demented views specifically relating to Disney stories of like love and relationships. Maybe. I mean, but like, I'm, I guess it's, I guess to me, it's not either or, but I think that what's, I think that what's interesting is that previous generations had Disney, they didn't have DreamWorks. So then I think that then what we're analyzing is, I think that the impact of Disney is sort of larger and sort of longer term and is evil versus I think the impact of DreamWorks is equally evil just in a shorter term because it has been around for less long. Sure. But I think it's still super, like, capitalist and fucked. I don't know if I agree with that. Because it also is just, like, all pro- it's all product placement. Like, DreamWorks becomes, like, the king of product placement in, in children's movies. It becomes the king of marketing shit to, to kids. Yeah, but I don't think Shrek is. But Shrek begins DreamWorks animation as a... Yes, but so Shrek, if we're going to lay the problems of Di- of Disney at the feet of Snow White, we have to lay the problems of DreamWorks at the feet of Shrek. No, because I think Snow White paints a very clear picture of what of the sort of Disney politics and aesthetics of like women women are dumb, dim witted little creatures that need to be saved. Where Shrek doesn't, I don't think, have that sort of level of foresight. Because I think Shrek is, I mean, like, the villain is the rich lord of the land who is this, I mean, the height thing I don't think is very kosher. But, like, he's the he's this <laughs> rich overlord fascist of the land. And uh, he's he's trying to stick to his, like, weird patriarchal views of, of, of marriage um, so that he can be the ruler. And Shrek is just some some swamp guy that needs to learn to love. Like, I mean, I think that's sort of the bare bones of, of, of the thematic structure here. I don't think it, 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 it steep steeps towards some sort of like capitalistic view. I think DreamWorks does, but I don't think Shrek does. I guess that might, there might be, that might be fair. I guess for me, I think DreamWorks in general and Shrek specifically bothers me more because to me, Disney never pretends to be progressive. Like versus I think like Shrek like Shrek is like, yes, Lord Farquaad has this incredibly patriarchal ba- bad idea of relationships. So that's why Shrek and Fiona have an equally dysfunctional relationship, right? And it's like this like very like of like, oh, you can tell someone loves you by the fact they're mean to you is like Shrek and Donkey's friendship. But 
But that is sure. paraded at the end. Donkey's like, that's bad. You shouldn't be a friend like yeah. that. Yeah. You, you're just mean to me. You say nothing but ni- unnice things to me. And then Shrek's like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But then, then we go Fiona, back to it again. And then the whole point of Shrek and Fiona's relationship is that Shrek views her and looks and fe- views her as like a person. For who, and she is. For who she is. For who she is. Right? Like he he likes her because of, you know, who she is, not because of like, the, or views her any differently. Like, I mean, I do think that in some ways this film does do pretty good at that because he doesn't put Princess Fiona on a pedestal like it does in like no. a Disney film. Um, she's not put on a pedestal at all. Shrek views her as an equal and as a person, and like that's where their love stems from. Versus the 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 flip of that, the sort of the Disney arc of that is Lord Farquaad, who views her as what he can get from her. If I marry her, I'm going to become a king. She's just my little, my beautiful little princess. I'm going to have my little, you know, I'm going to stare at her in my little mirror as I lay in my bed naked, sipping on my cocktail. Like she, he views her. It's very specifically that the movie as uh, an object. Farquaad, yeah. yes, Farquaad views her as an object. Shrek views her as a person. Once I, Farquaad says, like, once I get this or her like i become king and like i once i get this then i get something else so yeah like, i mean i think that's he only the- wants fiona for literally capital gain whereas yeah. shrek wants fiona because he enjoys her company yeah like, i think like the very, the very with her. yeah i mean i think that's the 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 specific point of the scene where lord farquaad is in his bed with his shirt off staring at pictures of princess fiona because he views her as an object but then couldn't okay that makes sense but and then couldn't fiona and shrek starts to see that fiona is a real person that can take care of herself that can fight off all these bad guys and he starts to view her not as because at the beginning he views her as an object at the beginning he goes and saves yeah. her because he's taking her back to farquad i'm a delivery boy i just want to get this done so i can get my he swan has, back but he has he the same forced- mentality as farquad where he's like if i do this then i will get my swamp back again it's capital gain but but then shrek, shrek goes through a change yeah, then Shrek is forced to be with Donkey, he's forced to be with Fiona, and he is forced to see these people as real people, as, as, with autonomy and 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 free will. And so therefore is forced to change his opinion on those people and is forced to find love in those people. So I think in that regard, the, the movie is kind of progressive in a lot of ways versus the Disney model. I would agree that DreamWorks is not, but I think the movie isn't like... I mean, certainly there are issues. Yeah, uh, everything has that its I think, flaws. You know, it's it not came perfect. Out in 2001 or whatever, but it's certainly, in a lot of ways, more progressive than like certainly Snow White or or your typical Disney film. Okay, so then, so so just to clarify, your argument is that Shrek is about a privileged man who wants a woman, views her as an object, and then through a series of matters, she comes into a man who is seemingly ugly, but who also views her as an object, and then they fall in love, and he starts to treat the people around him better, yes? More or less. So that's Beauty and the Beast. Like, beat for beat. Sure, I mean, <laughs> I, except... <laughs> Not beating the not beat, beat for beat. Oh, it's. I mean, what I just it's described, not Chandler describing is Beauty and the Beast. It's Which not I like. I like Beauty and the Beast. So I'm I think Beauty and the Beast is great. However, Beauty and the Beast has a certain issue with he's captured her and is. Yeah, there's not a capture sense. And he's in pre- Shrek. keeping her prisoner. Also, <laughs> keeping her prisoner. She's free. And he's go. very yeah, he's mean so. to her. He's Shrek is mean to her. Not really. Not more so than anyone else he, in around him. Well, like, the Beast is right. meaner to Belle than it is to anybody else. I... Yes, but I also think that that 
Shrek does this a little bit, but I also think Beauty and the Beast, because of the very nature of the story of Beauty and the Beast, views love as the end-all, be-all, right? Like, love is, once once the Beast finds love, he's cured, everything is happy ever after, blah, 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 blah. In a way that Shrek kind of does, but doesn't do to, to the extent, like, it is the entire plot. Um, but the entire plot of Beauty and the Beast is is she get she he captures this woman and forces him forces her to love him so that he can become not a beast anymore. I mean that's not really the plot of Beauty and the Beast, but but I take your I point. Mean, I, think it's interesting. I think it's interesting, Chandler, that it seems that what really bothers you about Disney is is their romanticism, and what really yes. bothers me about DreamWorks is their cynicism, and I think that's interesting. Yeah, of like the two sides of the same because I think that like. And I agree with you about DreamWorks cynicism, but I don't think it necessarily applies to to Shrek in this particular instance. I think in a lot of ways it p- applies to Shrek because I, I will agree that Shrek's sort of subversion doesn't lead much where else. It's just sort of subversion for subversion's sake. But I don't I don't think it's fair to critique it for being this sort of like South Park-esque thing. Sure. I'm, I, I, can, I can agree with that. You know, can like you- I think there's a dialectic there. It's a little yeah. cynicism, but it's not like... It doesn't become the. It doesn't like lead itself towards that more larger model of what DreamWorks ends up becoming. Yeah, and and going off of that, and what you said earlier, Ezra, like if we're gonna talk about the origins of the evil of Disney from Snow White, you have to do the same for DreamWorks with Shrek. Could you get? Maybe I'm just not remembering other DreamWorks films, or like haven't watched as many. Like, what other examples from DreamWorks films of cynicism can you point to? Like, what specifically? Um, it's just kind of like... Because, like, the only other DreamWorks films I can think of are, like, Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> I think it's... Which like are problematic in their own ways, but also fun. Um, I hate it, Kung Fu Panda with a burning passion. <laughs> um, I think it's, like, one of the worst films ever made. But, uh... How dare you? I think it's, like, I'm, like, that movie offended me. I've, like, rarely <laughs> been, like, viscerally offended. By a movie, Aww. and that movie viscerally offended me. Because uh, I think it's, I think it's, I think it, the way they treat Angelina Jolie's character is reprehensible. Um, in that movie, um, who does she play? She the tiger. Okay. So, oh, the tiger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is my, my least favorite thing in fantasy movies. Is we have a woman who's been training all of her life to be good at this thing, and this fucking random straight dude walks in, who's the chosen one, and everything becomes about him. Sure. So that's the yeah, point. Yeah. Like that, they address that in the film. That's why she's upset. Yeah, but then the film it. also doesn't. You could have just not done it. You could have just gave us some. Like he could have just worked hard sure. for something. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He does end up working hard, but okay. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Um. Anyway, no, but I think like that's kind of like DreamWorks' whole thing, right? Is the DreamWorks' whole thing is like subversion, right? So we have Shark Tale. That's like a mobster movie. We have. Like all of their all of their things have these like very like not politically incorrect makes them sound like they're like aff- like politically offensive in some way, but like that's the, like the whole thing is that like I would say like their mission statement is they rip the fucking page out of the storybook and they wipe their ass with it. Like that's like the DreamWorks thing of the like nothing is sacred, fuck everything. It's like a very yeah. nihilistic view. Sure. I'm surprised you're turned off by that. Yeah, I feel like I'm surprised you would appreciate you're turned off, off by that too, because to me, the Disney model is much more toxic. Oh, see, I definitely think DreamWorks is more toxic. Really? That's insane, because I think Disney destroyed culture. That's crazy <laughs> to me. 
That is crazy, but (laughs) not really, but like kind of. I guess for me, what's so mad is that to go back to what I opened with is that to me, it feels like corporate punk in a way that like versus Disney is corporate pop. And I'm like, I don't turn on Taylor Swift expecting there to be some sort of, I don't turn on Taylor Swift expecting her to have good politics on Palestine. Like if Taylor Swift put out a song tomorrow that's like free Palestine, I would be shocked. Right? Right. I do go to punk music for for good politics. And so it feels like going into a going to a punk concert where it's like, yeah, man, fuck everything. By the way, we're sponsored by Amazon. And you're like, whoa, 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 you don't get to have both. You don't get to be like, fuck Disney. Well, also just being Disney. I don't know. But we've given a lot of examples on how it's not Disney. But it's not yeah. Disney only in aesthetic ways. In in terms of every, it's still a movie that's about like love will save everything. That's how this movie ends. It does end with, with, with true love. It's still doing all the beats. It's just putting this like postmodern early two thousands skin on it, and then expecting us to believe it's a different game. It's still a Legend of Zelda. They've just put a different skin on it. Right. And I'd rather just play. But Legend you're of Zelda. defending Disney more. Yes, because Disney, at least, Disney is what it says it is. Disney has never claimed to be anything that it's not. And so we can critique Disney. We should critique Disney. Disney has a lot of problems. But at least with Disney, you know what you're getting. Versus I always feel like DreamWorks is lying to me. I don't know. I think if you're smart enough, you can tell that what DreamWorks is doing. Like, I mean, I don't like... But they're trying to bamboozle you. Disney's not. I don't... I think Disney is what it says on the tent. Yeah, I don't feel like they're trying to. I don't feel like that. Though. I think Shrek. I mean, at least specifically with Shrek. I mean, they're just they're making a silly, slightly subversive fantasy. But it's not story. subversive. What's it subverting? Nothing. Because it's like because fantasy characters are crass and and like and trashy and women can fight and and like they're not helpless. Like it is in some way, shape, and form dissing or 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 distancing itself from that disney model it is certainly still doing the like they live happily ever after um but we know that's not true because shrek 2 comes out and then they have problems i guess let's think of it this way the second film to ever win best animated feature is spirited away another film that is nominated let me finish another another film that is nominated that loses to shrek is monster is monsters inc so I guess what I'm saying is th- I would argue that both Spirit Away and Monsters, Inc. in very different ways are challenges to the Disney model. In a way that DreamWorks is attempt is is make I feel like DreamWorks is like that actor who like does like the like five minute long prep work and then doesn't know the words to their audition. Like is walking in as if they're like fucking trained at the globe, but is actually just going to sing somewhere over the rainbow again. Versus we have Monsters, Inc. and spirited away within 12 months of this movie that are both pushing animation and pushing storytelling forward leaps and bounds. It is to me a crime that Shrek has an Oscar and Monsters Inc. doesn't. That is crazy. It's insane. While we're sort of on this topic of what Shrek is, Ezra, (laughs) I read, I read, our episode description that you've typed up for us for me to put this in the show notes on our episode on Friday. Uh, You would like to argue whether or not Shrek is a queer film or not? 
So that was what Olivia was going to be on. Olivia has a take of the movie. Is she in the room? Is she in the house? She's she's in North North Carolina. Carolina. (laughs) Oh, right. Um, So Olivia's... Okay. So some background. My my lovely partner who's been on the, the podcast has a essay book manifesto that she's been writing on and off for several years that began as a Twitter joke that she and I had over uh, Christmas one year where she and her family watched, I believe it was Shrek 2. uh, And she tweeted out a queer analysis of Shrek 2, arguing that Fiona represents bisexuality of being accepted by one world, but both, both worlds will only accept her if she rejects the other part of herself. To which I responded to her tweet, arguing it's actually a Marxist film because it's about, because Fiona represents women, Donkey represents the black working class, and Shrek represents the white working class, and the dragon represents Arabs, and we can only have true liberation if we we get everybody together and topple the white oppressor. Um, I was with you until the dragon represents Arabs. Where did we get that? Because, so if you think about this, comes out in the early 2000s, and it's like, this terrible evil thing that's across the sea that's that's challenging our freedom. It is like, I don't think this is intentional, but it is kind of an allegory. In the same way that the giant in the woods is kind of AIDS, even though it's not AIDS, the dragon isn't a rock. It's not not a rock. Because it's sure. the same things they're saying about the dragon sure. as the things they're saying about Afghanistan and Iraq. Sure. sure. That's another way, the dragon is another way that this is like different than expected because the dragon ends up being like helpful and, and a lover to donkey. See, I was like, I was like, I read that episode description that you typed and I was like, how is Ezra going to argue this? Is Ezra going to argue that the dragon is in drag and like they're a gay relationship? Like what, what is this? I would say that the way way this movie handles minorities is a little tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I certainly. This is the what a great example of the the sort of the argument that uh, black characters are only ever uh, depicted as disembodied or, yes, or animals or creatures or non you know non. And there are no animated humans in this film that aren't white, which is ridiculous. <laughs> what are we doing? Right. So that, and I think you know. Though Eddie Murphy gives one of the best performances ever in this, uh, he it is certainly a you know one of the the sort of the penultimate examples of that yeah. argument. Yeah. Um, Even though he is the best part I, about this movie, he is he's the best incredible. part. Incredible. Bar none. Like, then you got to get to get to Charlie the Tenderness. I mean. I mean, I, I don't think this movie would be as popular as it is without Donkey. I mean, Eddie Murphy. Without Eddie Murphy, yeah, absolutely. The, like, leaps and bounds the best part of this film. Iconic. Um, I will say, Ezra, I do think it's a little... Like, and... You know you know me, but I... Because of what you told me um, when we were deciding on our animation styles, I think it's a little unfair to compare this to Spirited Away. I mean, you're comparing, you know... A Van Gogh to Tommy's kindergarten school drawing. Like, I don't think that's a very fair comparison. Of course, of course, Shrek DreamWorks, the former Disney head animator, has 
boring, non-existent politics compared to, you know, Miyazaki, one of the greatest filmmakers of all times, incredibly Inc., intrinsic, detailed understanding of capitalism and life. Like, I, like, I mean, how does unfair. this movie, this movie came out after Toy Story 1, Bugs Life, and Toy Story 2. Sure. And all three of those movies are 10,000 times better. I don't disagree. Well, I, I don't think Toy Story 2 is that good, but how dare you? It's fine. It's not the best Toy Story. No. Um, the animation looks like animatronic at some time, like at some points. It's wild. It's, especially the sequences when they're in the ca- dragon's castle. I don't know if it's the lighting, but it looks yeah. like they didn't finish rendering they the animation. Finish, and they didn't do like any sort of contrast with the with the colors. Like it's literally like the lava red everything else gray like it's 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 so stark there are certain moments where it definitely feels like the um like the first draft of the computer animation like they sent it out and they were like all right this is what it's you know this is a first draft of what's gonna look like and they were like ah print it and you're like no 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 no." it looks like a video game at some like the way that he moves like it's so robotic it yeah i will say you know for as much as I do enjoy this film and as culturally important as it is, it looks terrible. <laughs> it does not look good. It's- and like, I don't, so I guess I just had my timeline off in my brain, but like the fact that Monster Zinc came out like the, the next year, year the, the same, same year? year, like the leaps and bounds ahead. Like, cause so I was watching this movie and I was like, oh wow, this CGI is tough with a capital t and then i was like but we forgive it like it was one of the first and like it's a it was a new studio but like if other studios were doing things that looked better how did they not fix this because like it's just it's so the colors are bad Mm -hmm. the way that the characters move is bad and i remember this being like like how we keep talking about how Shrek was very culturally important for the time. And like, I remember when the commercials came out for it and like, I was able to like, again, recite the commercial word for word because I saw it so many times. And then once the movie came out, I watched a ton of the, like how we made it like videos. And I remember it being like, Oh yeah. Like the, the creation of Shrek was really, really difficult. And like getting his eyes to move and his ears to move all the same. And, I'm watching it and I'm like, this looks bad. Just bad. Like, it's the only word I have for it. Yeah. It's not. It's not great. It's not great. The the faces of, like, the humans look like they've never seen humans before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, again, because this comes from a uh, the the mind of someone who is a former Disney employee and a couple of people, you know, clearly some higher ups. Of course, it doesn't have the you know political nuance of a Bug's Life from the young you know but Pixar Bugs studio. Life was produced by Disney, but it was Pixar. Yes, but it was distributed by Disney. Disney and Pixar so was Studio Disney. Ghibli films for a lot for for forever. They were stu- mm-hmm. they were produced and and, uh, distributed by uh, Disney. But that doesn't mean that they have a political say in Miyazaki's spirited away. No, I guess like my my problem is that that I... 
I just think that every cultural thing that Shrek did was bad. Like, I can't think of a single thing where I'm like, thank God that animated movies do blink now because of Shrek. Like, every single thing they do is what I hate about animated movies. That's not true. You've already if... said it. Using celebrities for voices. No, I don't like that. that. Why? Because no. I cast fucking voice actors. <laughs> Who can do it properly. I love Cameron Diaz, but are you trying to tell me that we could not have gotten a quality voice actor to spice up that fucking performance? I don't know if you would have... I wonder if you would have um, more adult animations like Rick and Morty, like BoJack Horseman, without Shrek coming first. But I don't like those. <laughs> so, like, everything yeah, I don't like about animation... Shrek does. <laughs> so, you don't like the like adult references, like no. at all. No. What about fuck the off. feminist moment where Fiona beats up all the rat? Why? Because it's like the most like Marvel bullshit. Where it's like we are a feminist movie because we're going to show a woman doing violence. Because the most feminist thing that a woman can do is be violent on screen. And it's like every movie fair. from 2001 to 2018 did it. And it drives me out of the, the it's the worst moment of Avengers Endgame is when it's like, we're feminists now. See all of our female superheroes punching somebody. I'm like, oh, wow, you're so great. Okay, but I, I have another I have another qualm. Um, when we talked about Soul way back when. You also you argued against Chandler that, you know, animated movies are for more than just children. Yes. But based on everything you're saying, you kind of want to keep it very PG, very, very, very Disney, very safe and clean. But I think that if you, so I resent that. Uh, One, two, is that I think, (laughs) is that it's not so much that I have an issue with them being adult. It's that to me, the majority of adult animation, and I, including things like Shrek, feels very self-conscious, where it feels the whole time like, aren't we being naughty? We're having animated characters make fart jokes. And it's like... It's the best. It just feels so, like, self-aware in a way that I'm like, this isn't funny, and how fucking cool you think you're being makes it less funny. Versus, like, Harley Quinn is an adult animation show that I think is a masterpiece. Like, I think, like, Spirit Away is, like, very adult in terms of its themes, and it's, like, theme, yeah. it scared the shit out of me as a kid, right? But, like, all of those movies feel like they are just, all of those things feel like they are telling the story they are telling the way the artist wants to tell the story versus DreamWorks, for me, always feels so focus-grouped, where it was like, all right, and now in this scene, you need to have three jokes for the dads, two jokes for the mom, and five <laughs> jokes for the kid. It's like... I don't think that's, but to me, that's not uh, solely DreamWorks. No. Disney feels that way. I think a lot of the times Pixar even feels that way. I mean, like a lot of American animation studios Pixar are... doesn't feel that way to me normally. Sometimes it does, but most of the time it doesn't. I don't know. Because it's a lot, very formulaic, I think. A lot of American sure. made animation and stuff. Well, I mean, because it's all like... There's a formula I feel like for a lot of it is still stems out of like a, how much money we can make. We got to appeal to a mass audience and blah, blah, blah. So I don't think that's solely you're you're putting a lot on DreamWorks. I don't think solely DreamWorks. I guess I find the formula of Disney more not that it's less problematic, but it's just more to my taste. More well, engaging like, yeah, for you. 
do, give me a fucking musical number versus DreamWorks is like, don't you want eight jokes you won't find funny in a row with terrible animation and a celebrity phoning it in? I'm like, not particularly. That's not particularly Eddie what Murphy I wanted to phone it in. How dare you? What? How dare you? Eddie Murphy does not phone not, it in. Eddie Murphy to me is a voice actor because he's done so much voice work. That's fair. But like, do we really believe that Mike Myers did a better job as Shrek than any working voice actor could? No. no. He made to spend <laughs> millions more dollars because after he recorded everything, he was like, I gotta be Scottish. And I he, remember, yes, yeah, that was all re-recorded, right? Yes. That's insane. The fact that they let him do that is... Wild. Crazy. <laughs> crazy talk. All right, should we get into... Should I have one? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was not only nominated for two things, right? Yeah. And the Oscar goes to And what two things might those uh, be? So it was okay. brain. So it was nominated for Best Animated Feature. The nominees were Monsters Inc., Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, and Shrek. Shrek wins. Should have been Monsters Inc. I think that's silly. It definitely should have been Monsters it's Inc. Silly that it was not Monsters Inc. It I looks mean, better. Wow. Yeah. It just like yeah. on literally just based on how it looks, it's better. Yeah, I, I thought Monsters I mean, like, Inc. was like a solid two or three years after this. Wow, I am stunned. And see, Monsters Inc. is a movie that I loved as a kid. I and still do. I think it's. A, I think I watched it during quarantine. I think it's an incredible film. I love Monsters Inc. One of my favorite Pixar's. Yeah, uh, and it was also nominated for best adapted screenplay. The nominees are Shrek, written by Ted Elliott, Terry Rossio, John Stillman, and Roger S.H. Shulman, based on the book by William Steve, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, uh, by Fran Walsh, Philip Boyens, and Peter Jackson, based on the book by J.R.R. Tolkien, In the Bedroom by Rob Festering and Todd Field, based on the story Killings by Andre Dubas, Ghost World by Daniel Klaus and Terry Zukoff, based on the comic book by Daniel Klaus and The Winner, A Beautiful Mind, by Akiva Goldsmith, based on the book by Sylvia Nassar. And we uh, talked about this when we did the Fellowship yeah. of the Ring episode, but we all we all agree that they, my hosts don't need to say it, Fellowship should have won. Mm. Yes, um, absolutely. I haven't no. seen In the Bedroom. I've heard that's an amazing screenplay. Like People yeah, think In the Bedroom is like one of the great screenplays. It's not better than Fellowship. Neither of you will agree with me, but I'll say I'm happy that Shrek has the nomination. I don't think it should have won, but you know I, I, I enjoy the screenplay. You know what, what Oscar I do think Shrek needs to have? The Oscar that Ezra wants to be incorporated, which is the musical supervision. Yeah, because 1, the soundtrack of Shrek is 10 out of 10. It's, Shrek soundtrack is It's perfect. all the same band, right? No. Like, didn't they do it's the album? It's all Smash Mouth now. No? It's not all I thought, okay. And were any of the songs written for Shrek? Not to I my knowledge. So, I don't think I, like throughout the whole thing. I was like, I wonder if this got best best song nomination or if this wasn't written for Shrek. Like, I don't think so. But if that award is a thing, and it very well should be, Shrek deserved totally a nomination oh, and a win. The soundtrack is an absolute banger. Like, but it's you, I the best hear part. those songs to this day and think of I Shrek. Think of Shrek, absolutely. Somebody once told me to wow. Do you know that that song was written for a different movie two years earlier? Really? Yeah. Did they use what it? Movie? Yes. <gasps> what movie? That's so funny. Mo- uh, Monuments Men? Monsters of Men? Something like that? Hmm. 
It is crazy that 2000 year very, I mean, apart from the very specific thing that happened in 2001, very important year for uh, culture. (laughs) (laughs) You had Fellowship, you had Shrek, you got Monsters, Inc. Of of course, obviously the other very important thing that happened in 2001. Very, yeah. Mystery Man. Mystery Man. Awesome. All right. Let's get into what we've been watching. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Chandler, what you been watching? Uh, What have I been watching? Uh, I watched uh, a play that uh, a friend that Ezra helped devise. That was really fun on Zoom. Uh, very good. Um, and then uh, my partner and I, uh, as I've told, we've been working our way through Breaking Bad. We finished it last night. Ooh. Uh, last episode. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, again, what can you say about Breaking Bad? It's, it's perfect. Like, there's nothing, no loose ends in that show. It's a perfect show. You should uh, watch uh, Better a, Call Saul now. Yeah, well, I'm actually really excited because I still have not watched El Camino. So we're going to watch that <gasps> next. I thought we watched that together. No, when you guys watched it, I had a work thing. Um, I think I was at Theater Row or something, but you guys watched it like you really? had a thing. Because it came out like, what, two years, three years ago? Two, something, something like that, that, yeah. But I think I was at Theater Row or something, and I couldn't huh. watch it with y'all. And, and, and I just, it, you know, just slipped into mine haven't need to watch but haven't watched yet list and i still haven't watched it so Hmm. probably gonna do that soon but yeah that's about it um it's a breaking bad watch it if you haven't it's perfect claudia what have you been watching what have i been watching all right well i have been watching some films i guess not not films i don't know i want i finally watched uh tom papa you're doing great a great (gasps) stand-up recommendation from Chandler. Isn't it fun? Very, very very fun. Um, My partner is finally back and we have been attempting to get through a documentary from 2017 called Icarus. We're about halfway through. Um, It's pretty good. We just keep falling asleep during it (laughs) because we're tired, not because it's boring. And then what I really want to talk about um, in honor of animation styles month i've been trying to watch some other animated things because it's one of my favorite genres i recently watched the new netflix original the mitchells versus the machines Mm. i think both of you would really really like it the animation style is very similar to spider-man into the spider-verse same director that's what i thought that makes sense um the lead voice actor is Abby Jacobson, who I am obsessed with. It's just a really fun movie and like really great characters. I actually ended up watching like it like one and a half times because I watched it. And then the next day my partner watched it and I was watching it with them. Um, no, just super, super fun. Great animation style. Great, great story. I highly recommend. Ezra, what have you been watching? Yeah, so uh, my partner has been gone, so I've been having myself a little film festival of my own. <laughs> uh, just to run down uh, a couple of the big ones I've been watching. Um, I can't remember how I talked about it the last time, but I watched the Sam Raimi uh, film A Simple Plan from the 90s. Really great sort of crime thriller. 
Um, highly, highly recommend just like a good time to watch. Uh, and then uh, the night Olivia left, we watched another Sam Raimi film, The Gift, which is a um, Pete Blanchett uh, thriller um, about a psychic who uh, discovers information about a murder. Um, not great, but like a good, again, a, just if you want to throw something on, it is what it says on the tin. You want to crime throw about a psychic, you'll have a good time. Uh, and then I watched uh, a movie called Savages, which uh, is fast becoming one of my favorite films ever made. Uh, Savages, for uh, those of you who haven't watched it, um, is by Oliver Stone, uh, the director of JFK and so many others. Um, it is the polyamorous Romeo and Juliet. It is about a throuple who uh, become involved with the Mexican cartel. And for me, at least, you keep expecting the fact that they're a throuple to become like a point of tension because it feels like the only way we ever see any sort of sexual anormativity in Hollywood films it has to become the problem. So if it's like, oh, they're in an open relationship, that has to become the problem. Or if it's like, oh, they like, they're kinky, that has to become the problem. Like, there always has to be mm-hmm. like the problem. Yeah. And it's just like, there are problems, but like at no point is the relationship ever the problem. And so it becomes like a really like romantic film almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I kind of use that to kick off uh, an Oliver Stone film festival that I am running for myself. Uh, <laughs> and I rewatched Natural Born Killers. Um, still not my vibe. Um <laughs> I would say that the laugh track under the molestation scene is kind of where I had to tap out. Um, Oh, Oh. it's a commentary question mark. I mean, I would assume so. Right. Yeah. I'm not really sure what it's commenting on, but I'm like, I, I respect that you made a choice Uh, that I watched any given Sunday, which is Oliver Stone's football film starring Al Pacino and Cameron Diaz actually. And Jamie Foxx, the best sports film I've ever seen. Um, it is a film that is textually about how capitalism ruins sports and everything that is good about sports is ruined by making it into a business. And we need to reject business in order to play as a team. Uh, Al Pacino is incredible in it. Highly recommend. Does then he play wa- sports in it? Does he what? play the sport? No, he's the coach. The- Al Pacino is the coach. Okay. okay. Mm. But I would have like, liked to see that. <laughs> it is about a third string. It's about a, a pro football team who... Uh, their first two, their quarterback and their second string quarterback get injured. So Jamie Foxx, who plays the third string quarterback, has to go in, and he never was, he never expected to go in. Uh, and then kind of becomes like a sensation because it's like a fun story. And then it goes to his head, and he's like, but then there's also like interesting discussions about like racism in the in football about how black people can't be quarterbacks. That for mm-hmm. all of us who are familiar with Cameron Newton is an interesting discussion to yeah. see in 1999. Uh, I followed that up with uh, The Frighteners, which is a Peter Jackson film uh, from before he made uh, Lord of the Rings that uh, I really didn't like. Um, it kind of felt like Peter Jackson was trying to make a Tim Burton film. Um, Ooh, but, so I might yeah, like it? Yeah, if it's your thing. <laughs> a little history on that. Um, that's because he literally was learning how to make films while he was making those films. Because he's self-taught entirely. He like, so he was like, m- kind of just making films that he didn't really know how to make. So that's why those, yeah, supposedly I, those were bad. I have not seen them. It's not helped by the fact the CGI is really bad, um, which isn't yeah. his fault. But like, I just felt like the story wasn't particular, and like he and his wife wrote it, 
and I just was mm-hmm. like not about it. Um, then I watched, uh, I continued my Oliver Stone Film Festival by watching a little film I'd never heard of called U-Turn that is astounding. Everyone needs to go watch U-Turn. Real good time with the movies. Uh, U-Turn is about Sean Penn, who plays a sort of down-on-his-luck ruffian who driving to... Do- it's never quite established why he owes people money, but he owes a lot of people money who you don't want to owe money to. Uh, and then while driving to deliver them the money, his car breaks down in the Arizona desert. And so he has to stop at this tiny, like one stoplight town in Arizona uh, to get his car fixed. And he gets pulled into this sort of psychosexual plot with Jennifer Lopez. Um, we love. Okay. And it's hysterical. It is so funny. It is so creepy. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix gives an incredible performance in it. Uh, typical. What? It's a typical. It's a very like, good actor. Uh, Nick Nolte's in it. Claire Danes is in it. Um, wow. Billy Bob Thornton. What a cast! Is in it. Wow. It's like yeah, a wow. ninety-minute nineties uh, crime thriller. Which I'm not a huge Sean Penn person. Uh, but I thought he was amazing in this film, so highly recommend. Uh, and then I finished off, uh, at least, actually, no, I watched two more movies. I watched The Paperboy, which is fine. Uh, and then I, I finished off, up to this point in my Oliver Stone Film Festival, with a film called Salvador. Um, it's one of his early films. It is about, it is the true story. It's a biopic that the guy who was being bioed wrote himself that is about this kind of piece of shit American photojournalist who goes to El Salvador uh, and then ends up kind of getting mixed up in the civil war between the communists and the fascists, uh, the fascists who are being backed by the United States uh, and becomes a pretty searing indictment of American imperialism. Um, Weirdly starring Trump's number one fan in Hollywood, James Woods, Uh, but really good. It's on HBO. If you want like a cool thriller about a photojournalist trying to get his family out before everything goes south. Good time. Jim Belushi's weirdly great in that. So yeah. That's what I want. Cool. Awesome. Well, that's all we have for you today. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and give us a rating and review if you can. Next week, what is next week? Hold on. Oh, next week we are going to be doing stop motion as part of our, as part of our animation styles month with Wallace and Gromit and the Curse of the Were Rabbit. Very excited for that. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. Follow us on Instagram at htbn.podcast. and we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.